they need to take. But then secondly, let's drop down to verse 14. And let's notice not just a call for these, these decisions that deal with disposition and direction. But look at verse 14 with me. He then says, pursue peace. If our hands are right and our prayer life is right and our direction is right, will we not be better suited to pursue peace? Will we not be? You see that order that we've got to deal with in this verse? Pursue peace with all people. Make no difference. Don't, don't let it just be with one segment of society, but all people. Pursue peace with all people. Now, we know that there's two kinds of peace in the Scripture. We've said it many a time. There is, first of all, to the peace that we have with God. A peace that comes because we're made right through the cross. And we've come by that blood-stained way. And we've repented of our sins. And by grace through faith, we have received Christ as our Savior. And as many as receive Him to them, gave He the right, John 1.12, to become the children of God. Even to them that believe upon His name. And so then there's peace with God. There's no longer a cavernous separation between us and God. That Jesus has bridged that separation and brought us nigh unto Him. And we have peace with God. And I think that's why Paul tells us in Romans 8, There's therefore now no uh, condemnation to them that be in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And he's talking about our peace with God. But there's also peace of God. And this deals not with our relationship as much as it does our fellowship. Because there can be a child in the family and they have peace with the family, but they've done something and now they've, they've broken something and there is now a breakage of fellowship and something needs to be restored. And here in Hebrews 12, 14, the word for peace is the peace that we desire with other people as a response to our peace with God. And you'll notice he says for us in that verse, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. He deals with two relationships. My relationship with my fellow man and my relationship with God. Peace with all people is my relationship with other people. Holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, is my relationship with God. And let's take those and let's think about those for just a moment. Because in Romans 12 and verse 18, listen to what Paul tells us. He tells us in Romans 12 verse 18, If it is possible, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. Now that's Romans 12 and verse 18. As much as depends upon me, I want to seek to live peacefully with all people. If it depends upon me. But remember something. You cannot compromise your holy relationship with God in order to have peace with lost man. You've got you to really set this 
up to the point where that you know in all peacemaking efforts, as much as we are connected to those around us, we're to seek to live in peace, to walk in peace. But as far as our relationship goes with God, we're not to compromise on the part of our walk with God in order to be at peace with someone who doesn't know the Lord. Holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God. Jesus reminds us through Paul in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we see his condescension in that second chapter of the book of Philippians. Holiness is, is our way of shunning any kind of sin. And yet at the same time, keeping every kind of God's commandment. So we're doing that all at the same time. So peace without Christ's likeness is going to force us to be a friend with the world and an enemy with God. So our peace has to take on a mold of Christ's likeness. And that is as much as depends on me in living in that way. I honor God and live a holy life and seek for others to see Jesus in me. Peter said it like this. He said, be ready to give an answer to all people who ask of you the hope that lie within you. Be ready. Be, be ready. When someone is talking about the way you live your life, be ready to give that particular answer that demonstrates your walk with God, your peace with Him, that they may experience it by repenting and coming through the cross as well. And then lastly, as we go down to verse 15, the writer begins to call us not only to these decisions and not only to pursue these areas of our life that deal with peace and holiness. Look in verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short. Now this verse does not say fall out of the grace of God. You would be reading a false translation if you read that this statement is that you and I as believers can fall out of the grace of God. Noah may have fallen down many times inside the ark. And I don't know how rough of a ride it was, but he never fell out of it. But he says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. We have to accept what has happened. We have to accept the situation with COVID and what they tried to do in shutting down churches all over America and how difficult it was to come back and then stop and then come back and all of that. And then suddenly an unprecedented historical, they say once in a thousand year flood came to our area and inundated our folks. But yet we look about all of this and behind it, it seems as though people look for anonymity. That people seem to look for a way, even in the church, to let it be a time to be depersonalized. 
and not step up to the accountability and the responsibility that we have. And so I want you to think about the call for you and I to be responsible. He says, looking carefully at the first part of verse 50. He's saying to us, look diligently, be dedicated in this. And, and there's only two words in the New Testament for the word look. It, one is the word for gaze. It's used in the book of James when somebody looks in the mirror and they walk away and quickly forget what image of person they saw. That was just a, a little bit of a glance. And they can't remember whether everything was in place as they stepped away and they needed to come back and look again. This is the word for a gazing look. That we take a serious look. And that we look very, very carefully at our personal responsibility and see the dynamic force of grace that is mentioned in this passage. Now the writer says that lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, but just lift the word grace out for just a moment. We'll sometimes take that word and use it as an anacronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's all about His riches being poured out in our lives. The mercy of God is us not getting what we do deserve, but the grace of God is receiving what we would never get otherwise than the loving, kind, and considerate hand of our good and merciful and graceful God. So grace is not static. It's a dynamic, powerful force. It is an enablement that comes into the life of the believer. And so we will say, by grace we're saved. And then the scripture will say, as you have received Him, so walk you in Him. So the same grace that is used to save us is the same disposition and enabling goodness that allows us to follow and be obedient to God. Even to the point where there's a thorn in the flesh and we don't like it. And we'll pray three times for God to take that out of our life. And we'll hear God say to us what He did to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, my strength will be matured into your life. And then Paul says, most gladly, I will rejoice in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me. And that power, that enablement is the grace of God in our life. And the grace of God is so distinct that there's no other religion on the face of the earth that is like Christianity because Christianity puts the display of grace before mankind and no other religion in the world can do that because all other religions are false. But this is true. And so the grace of God is poured out upon us, this good news that every believer has received grace upon grace through Jesus who is grace and truth as he tells us in the gospel of John chapter 1 and this grace is so amazing listen to how amazing it is in your life as a Christian and you don't want to fall short of this you don't want to miss out on the full enabling strength that grace brings into your life listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 it's on the screen and God is able just pause there for a moment and just say it in your heart God is able 
To do what? To make all grace. How much grace? All grace. I mean, if we are able to receive all the grace we need, there's none that we're not getting. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, once this happens, that you, always having all sufficiency. Now where does the sufficiency come from? Just like what Paul heard God say to him. My grace is sufficient. So if all grace abounds toward you, once that happens, you'll always have all sufficiency in how many things? In all things. And you may have abundance for every good work. Every good work of your hand. Every good work of your feet. Every good work in the use of the knees. Every bit of it. We look at that verse and we may want to say, wow, that's incredible. No, that's not incredible. That's amazing. That's why we call it amazing grace. That God is able. And is he any less able now to do this in our lives with all that we are experiencing even now? So much so that we'll sing that little stanza out of the song Amazing Grace. Which says, "'Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. And we don't want to fall short of all the benefits, all of the blessings that are afforded us by grace. We don't want to miss any of it. Because if we do, next thing could happen is a root of bitterness can begin to grow in our lives and we would fall short of being the sweet Christian we ought to be, the kind Christian we should be, but we've let something get a hold that shouldn't be. Now you'll notice in the text it says, back in Hebrews 12 and 15, that we're not to fall short. You can miss something by a mile, but you still miss it. Or you can miss something by an inch, and you still miss it. Remember that verse of scripture that says, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Remember what that governing leader said to Paul once he witnessed to him. Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Almost is not enough. Almost is but to fail. In the verses we often call when we witness to someone part of the Romans road, we start off with Romans 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. That's, that's the mile. All have fallen short. Of the grace of God. The lost world has fallen short of the grace of God. And there could be someone listening now or even later. And the burden of your heart is now upon you. That you have fallen short 
of the very grace, the very glory of God. But then there are those who are so close, so close. You remember, you remember that story in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. Let me close with it. You remember that story of that uh, very rich young man? You remember that? You remember that guy that uh, he had an entourage with him? And he saw Jesus and he came running to Jesus. And he fell down on Jesus and had him falling down before Jesus. And you remember how he began his conversation in Mark 10 with Jesus? He said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, Esau lost a great inheritance. Here's a young man in Mark 10 saying, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus made mention of commandments to him. And he said, All of these things I have done from my childhood up. I was brought up this way. But notice, if you will, Jesus' response to this man after this man speaking to God in the flesh, told God in the flesh that he's kept all these commandments in verse 20, which is not on the screen, from his youth up. Then Jesus looking at him. You remember I made mention of the word look, that there's two kinds of the word in the New Testament? Jesus is staring at this man. He's looking at this man. He's not glancing at him. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Not, he's, not, he's not missing it by a mile. Jesus said to him, One thing you lack. He said, Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. We're not talking about a pot of soup here. We're not talking about a temporary thing here. Treasure in heaven. That we would take the long look and realize that all of us, we're all supposed to be laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth does not corrupt and thieves do not break through nor steal. And that when we use our hands and our knees and our feet, we're using the very apparatus to help us to put treasure up into heaven. And he told this young man one thing. It's come down to one thing you lack. It's a big thing. It's a big decision that he's called to make. But look what happens in verse 22. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He was doing what Esau looked at the temporary things. He didn't take the eternal look and he walked away sad. These words will not appear on the screen, but let me read on to you from the passage. And the disciples were astonished at his words. So the disciples were right there listening to Jesus 
love this man and look upon this man and tell him he's this close. He's got one more thing he needs to do. And the disciples are astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, so he's no longer speaking to this guy. He's gone. He left. And Jesus spoke to the disciples and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's all about trust, isn't it? It's all about where we put our trust. Because later on in that passage, Peter's going to say, Lord, how can anybody be saved? And Jesus tells the story of the camel and the needle, the eye of the needle. And he says, with man, this is impossible. But all things are possible with God. Don't fall short during this invitation, please. Please take the long look of where your feet are going and what your hands are doing. And maybe take a moment to bow by bending your knees, by bowing your head, and realize that you're on the wrong path. And if you reach what you're looking for, it'll be a temporal thing that will pass away. And it won't be eternal. Let's go before the Lord in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're blessed and privileged to gather before your throne of grace through and by the work of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And Father, I make my plea in the name of Jesus that in this moment of invitation we'll take inventory of our hands and our feet and our knees. We'll look at the disposition of our lives we'll also consider the direction of where we're going. Help us, Lord, to pursue the best relationship that we can with those around us, trying with every effort and every possibility to make peace with everybody, but never, ever at the compromise of being holy, of being right with you. So, Lord, deal with us in this moment through and by the person of the Holy Spirit. Sort these issues out in our life. Touch upon those places where we need to repent, where we need to be renewed and rededicated. And Lord, if there's someone here today that lacks one thing, just one thing, and if they walk out of here without faith in you, without forgiveness, without repenting and receiving Jesus as their Savior and Lord, they've still missed it, even though they're so very close. Lord, I beg, I plead, I pray with those to take inventory of their heart and take the long look that will move them away from the temporal and into the eternal, that they will see their great need of Jesus who died on the cross for their sins, was buried and rose again so that everything He ever promised, everything that He ever said can come to pass in every life that trusts Him and receives Him because we serve a risen Savior today. Lord, would you speak to people? The altar is open if they need to come. Would you lead them? Would you guide them to do that? To make that decision today? To bring glory and honor to your great name and good into their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.